0: Hi, I'm Lauren Denning, and welcome to my podcast, The 20-Minute Scriptorian, where I explore the LDS scriptures and the path of the disciple of Christ. I'm a long-time gospel doctrine teacher, sometime institute and seminary teacher, and a current theology student. My friends and I are often discussing history, context, and theology, and thought that you might appreciate it too. I think of it as a bridge between academic and inspiration. However, these opinions are my own and not an official representation of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thanks again for listening, and I hope this will be a blessing to you on the road to discipleship. Welcome back, Scriptorians. We are headed into Come Follow Me for Galatians, and we're in about the end of September. So join me. A lot of you are probably heading into state conference as well as general conference. So this may just be personal study. So today we're going to do all about Galatians. And as you recall, this is the point in which we just kind of do an overview, context, a structure, outline, things like that. So as you head into your study, you will have some kind of foundation to understand what we're talking about and who's talking and what's going on. So let's let's knock it out of the park today. And first, I want to welcome we had who did we have this week? Finland. So we had Finland join us and France, a big attachment from France. So thank you, France and Finland. Welcome to the podcast. And the rest of you, thanks for joining us again, as always. All right, let's do all about Galatians first. Where is Galatia? It's in Anatolia. It's in the middle of kind of right in the middle of Greece. And Paul is writing this letter to the saints there. Now something that's interesting, there's probably one of his very first letters. So Paul uh, we are introduced to, there are multiple churches. So this isn't just one city. This is uh, a group of churches in, in this region. And he had been there on one of his missionary journeys. Uh, he talks about it in about Acts 13, Acts 14. Paul's going to talk about it there. And he takes this um, deep, passionate position. There's a lot of frustration and passion that's what's going to happen. So as you remember, here's the background. Christianity had been this Right, Jewish Messianic settlement, and remember, this is some of the. Here's the thing: as you read these, this is some of the very newest of of Paul's, the earliest writings of Paul's and the letters, and we've written, we've listened to some that are some of the later. So they're going by length; they're not going by chronology. So now you're going to jump way back in time. So as you remember, this is when the saints are. Well, the church had been mostly a Jewish thing, right? They're saying, "Hey, the Jewish Messiah is here," and then Paul and Saul and everybody—they, you know—they go out into the Gentile missions, and that's new. And they're not really sure how to treat it. Now, if you want to read about some of those debates, we hit those in Acts 15. But Paul decides that he is—he feels called to be the missionary to the Gentiles. So he's going out outside of uh, Judaism. And remember, he was the super Jew, right? He was the Pharisee, but it was a big conflict for them at the time to try to say, how do we do the practice of being uh, a follower of Jesus? Do we, are we Jews or are we not Jews? And that's where you see all these laws that they had to do with the two different cultures kind of clash where they're saying, do we practice some of the laws of the Torah, some of the laws of the old Testament, the Mosaic laws, it could be Sabbath circumcision, temple worship, um, uh, kosher law. And we know that circumcision and kosher law—it was kind of put to the side. Hey, if you aren't born Jewish, ethnically Jewish, you don't have to follow those things, right? To be a follower of Jesus. But if you're ethnically Jewish, you should probably keep following. That's that's kind of where they fell on how to decide all this in Acts 15. Um, and the, but they did ask to stay away from a couple of things, as you remember. They said, hey, don't don't eat things with blood, and don't uh, eat food that sacrificed to idols that would be kind of worshiping uh, another God. So to stay away from those things. So there were some of those, but this, this letter is coming really specifically, uh, very aggressively to attack some of those things. So we're on way back in the past to talk about that. So there are a lot of Jewish Christians that believe that they should, everyone should be part of the covenant family they should go be circumcised they should do all these things and then there are others like Paul that are saying hey that's not it at all so when Paul writes these letters he's really disappointed that saying not only are you guys not under not following this correctly you don't have to do those things but not understanding why you don't means you don't understand the gospel it means you're not understanding so so When he finds out that there have been a group that have been back there and they have been really promoting circumcision and this return back to this Jewish practice, he's heartbroken. And so he writes this letter as a result. So he's challenging the people of Galatia, the Galatians, with um, just the summary of the gospel message about the crucified Messiah. He's going to say Christ did all these things so that you don't have to do that. And And we're now broadening it. It's not... It's for everyone. Remember, the Abrahamic covenant says that these the children of Israel were going to be a priestly nation. And this priestly nation will then take the gospel, will take God God's word to all the nations. And that's the time he believes he's in. Hey, this is it. We're bringing it. So this multi-ethnic, this everybody's involved, all the nations, all the Gentiles, different word for all nations, are going to be involved. And so that's the important part. Okay, so he breaks it down, a um, couple outlines here to think of. The first one I'd say, there are only six chapters, it's it's pretty short, um, but he is going to take chapters one through two, and he's just going to go over again that summary of the gospel, saying the gospel of uh, the atonement and the crucifixion and resurrection, so this gospel of the Messiah, we need to understand that. That's the first thing he's going to do. And then chapter three and four, he's going to say, because of that, God creates this new family, right? And then last, 5 and 6, this new family, how do we understand this? We've been transformed by the Spirit. Now, some of you probably know this is where we get the fruits of the Spirit. Um, and then just kind of a famous quote about how we sense and recognize the Spirit are going to be there in 5 and 6. So that's kind of your, your really quick outline. Got it? Okay. So that's that's just a couple of things. That's kind of your setting. Now, I think one question to ask yourselves as you read Galatians, yes, The message that we just talked about, about uh, the Messiah, about a new family um, of God's new family, and then how to be transformed by the spirit, these themes, those are fairly applicable. Those can be likened unto ourselves, right? We can do the hermeneutics there. However, I think I always get a little bit clunky when we get into some of these arguments that were so specific to them, like understanding circumcision or something or meat sacrifice to idols. I tend to kind of breeze through those. Not gonna lie I go oh yeah yeah I heard this story again. It was obviously a big issue. So is there an issue today either in the broader church community the whole church for example today or maybe in your own ward or your own stake or your own family that you say these issues are culturally really different than either the church or the culture I live in. So I think maybe you can see some examples. So think of something now that you think, hey, is there something that the culture is very different than maybe the gospel or where the church practices are? They could be something as simple as um, clothing styles, hairstyles, the number of earrings you wear, tattoos. Uh, I get a lot, I see those come up all the time. Um, They're not really super doctrinally important or doctrine at all, but practices. Uh, but then I see things that are bigger like, um, LGBTQ, right? That's very divisive for people and hard. Uh, so think, I think there are some good applications to say, Hey, at what point what's a practice, what's doctrine? Uh, we always want to follow the brethren. Uh, but I think that there are some things in here that we can see that are applicable. So just take a step back and say, I tell myself, Lori, why are you listening? Uh, why are you so upset about this, uh, circumcision or a kosher law thing when we actually have the same thing, same practices, uh, culture and practice and different cultures clashing. Very similar to him today. So applicable is what I'm saying. All right. That's the first starting. So take that, um, think on that, see if you can start to apply that as you read through Galatians. So we're going to see that through the rest of the epistles anyway. So it's a good one to apply. And I think one of the reasons we have these letters today is because they're still very applicable to us today. Got it? All right, let's move on. I want to jump into a little bit more about Paul and some of the things we know about him that might just be a little bit interesting. So let us uh, let me turn the page and we'll go there now. All right, let's talk. Let me just take a, an aside since we haven't done some of this. There's not a great place to do this, but I thought yeah, this is good good place to any to talk about Paul and some things we know about him. Uh, his name is actually Shaul, which is Saul in uh, the Hellenized or the Greek form of his Hebrew name, Shaul. And uh, that was probably the name that he, that Jesus used when it talked to him on the road to Damascus. Um, And that's Acts 26, by the way. So if you say, hey, if what Jesus would have called him, uh, Yeshua would have called him, would be Shaul. And then it says, well, then why do we call him Paul? And Paul is the, the first time he's called Paul is in Acts 13. And that is actually, and part of his first missionary journey and by a name named Sergius Paulus, and so some some uh, uh, scholars think that it's at this point of his first missionary journey when he maybe starts to be called Paul or Paulus, and that is it's more of a it's more of a surname by the way than a first name. So it's a it's a Romanized surname. So uh, like Paul's companion Silas, he would have been called Sylvan Sylvanus, and Barnabas um, had the, the Roman surname of Marcus. So those are their, those are their last names. So it's kind of like his name. He, uh, he had kind of probably a double name, Shaul Paulus, Shaul Paulus. So it, it isn't his, yes, his name has changed, but, uh, Paul, Paulus is a last name. So I don't know something there. Interesting. Um, also interesting, Paul in Greek actually means little or small, And so some people think that um, in the first century, they started writing about him and they said he was kind of a little guy. So here is a, here's a quote, some apocryphal writings from the Acts of Paul and Thecla. If you want to read some Apocrypha, Uh, not a great book. Uh, Thecla super popular, by the way, interesting reading for those of you. But it says this about Paul, a man of small stature with a bald head and crooked legs and a good state of body with eyebrows meeting and nose somewhat hooked full of friendliness. For now he appeared like a man, and now he had the face of an angel. So even though this was written quite a few years after his death, uh, interesting to find out maybe that's what Paul looked like. And so he was small. Um, So I think that's kind of cool. And you've probably heard the quote from Joseph Smith about what Paul looked like. All right, let's check it out. Let's see if they were on the right track. So Joseph Smith was said, let's see, uh, uh, it was said that I'll go back and see where I can find out where this was from the Apocrypha the description of Paul anyway let me just read you what it says it says this here are the descriptions of uh, Joseph Smith talking about what Paul looked like he was about 5 foot high, very dark hair, dark complexion dark skin, large Roman nose sharp face, small black eyes penetrating as eternity round shoulders, a whining voice, except when elevated, and then almost resembles the roaring of a lion. He was a good orator. Um, Where do you think Joseph Smith would have known what Paul looked like? I think because Paul came and taught him. So I think that's pretty impressive, and remarkably similar to the description of the Acts and Paul and Thecla. Okay. So kind of cool. There's a little aside about what Paul looked like uh, and kind of some of his history. All right. Keep going. Some other really, I think some really fascinating things about Paul is that, let's see, they thought, uh, sorry, let's look at the first few verses because I want to show you something that's happening in the tone of what's a little bit different than Galatians. So in this Beginning of these letters, there's this little formula that they use. It's a formulaic greeting, so you kind of think of it like uh, First Nephi, where it's you know I Nephi, born of goodly parents, etc. Et kind of has a formula. Well, they had the same formula in letters anciently in the New Testament, but a little different than Nephi's, obviously. Uh, but they they had the same whether it's Jewish or Greek, you would always start with at least three parts. The first one was the name of the sender, then the name of the recipient, and then third, a formal greeting. Just usually a word like, um, so it'd be like, hey, this is Paul, I'm sending it to you, Lori, and, uh, you know, rejoice, or greetings, or hello, right? And that would be the same structure. So Paul does that in almost all of them, is that he'll say, Paul, an apostle of whatever writing to the people, the saints of Galatia, uh, grace and peace, And that was very Christian that he kind of coined that he was trying to use those two concepts that the uh, the love of Christ and the redemption that he brings brings peace. So he's always writing that. So go to Galatians and tell me, does he do those three steps? Okay, go there now. Let's look at it and see, does he do the three steps in Galatians? Okay, here it is. Galatians one, one, Paul, an apostle not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. And all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia, grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us this present, from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father to whom to whom be glory for ever and ever. Amen. There's his introduction. Does he do all three? He lists Paul. He says who he's writing it to. Yes. And then he says grace and peace. Now there's this addition. Did you catch it? He goes on to talk about the salvific work, the redeeming work of Jesus Christ, which is his theme. Here it is. He is so upset by what they're doing that they've missed the point. And you're going to see that over and over again. But this is his theme. He's talking about Christ who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God God and our Father to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So this is going to point out this this attention that he's giving that it's going to draw on first the vindication of his own apostolic authority. right? He's saying, I'm an apostle. So I don't know who was talking to you before, but I'm it. Uh, But then also he's going to say in the context of History and salvation—that—that the Father has helped taken upon Himself to send His Son to redeem all the lost men and women, right? And it's through Christ that that's going to happen. That's the theme of Galatians. That's the theme. So it isn't anything else. And that's where we pick up right from the beginning. Now, if you're not very familiar with these introductions, you might miss it. So as you read back through, um, they're really short. These these letters. Go back and see if you can see those three parts see, and then see if you can see any addition or exceptions, right? All right. So the other thing <laughs> is- that is unique is that it doesn't there's kind of sometimes a traditional prayer of thanksgiving which he opens his letters. So you'll see that in Romans 1 8, you'll see it in First Corinthians 1 4 and a few verses on Philippians 1 3, 1 Thessalonians 1, 2. So he has this little prayer of Thanksgiving where I'm so grateful for it to you. And he'll usually um say something about them like you're the most worthy and you guys are so great and you've been so passionate in Christ and he'll he'll give them them kind of praise for what that community is really good at. And here he doesn't have one. So maybe he was busy. Maybe his scribe couldn't help him out that day. But I think that's interesting is that he is not giving them a Thanksgiving because he is so, so he's not blessing and kind of praising them. He's saying, you're missing it. And it's, we see it instead, we see verse six. Then right on to verse 6, he doesn't thank them. He chastises them. I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Um, he's saying, uh, another good translation, it says, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting. I am so, I'm shocked. So he's not like, I'm so grateful for you. He's like, I cannot believe that I just left and you've already left. The true religion of Christ, and there is your theme of the letter. All right. Well, what do you think, scriptorians? Maybe not the most peppy letter, but if we go back and say, what is he going to talk about? He's going to talk about the gospel and how the the Lord creates a new family and that that transforms us by the Spirit. Those are perfect. And in a culture, in cross cultural things like they were experiencing with Judaism and Gentile belief. There's nothing more profound in our lives either. So give it a shot, scriptorians. That's it. That is all about Galatians. See what you see. Try reading the first couple verses. See if you see an outline. And we will head into the first couple chapters next time. Keep on reading, scriptorians.